Welcome to the Accra Community Church Podcast. So glad you stopped by. We hope that as you listen to today's sermon, the Holy Spirit through his word will refill you, recharge you, and equip you for the rest of your journey with him. Listen to today's sermon. Um, My name is Brian McIntyre. I have been a pastor in the United States for years, and then um, in 2007, God called my family and myself here to Ghana to start a ministry to um, special needs children, children um, who um, too often are simply seen as disposable. Um, I hate to say that, but it's true. And so we have, my wife and I and our family have, uh, we've lived here in Ghana from 2007 to 2013. We established a a children's home. And um, then in 2013, my wife was uh, diagnosed with cancer. Uh, So we had to go home and she had to have surgery and she had to have uh, chemo. And since then we've been cobra, 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 cobra. Um, That's about the only tree I know. Um, So I I like to use it to show off just a little bit. Today is Volunteer Sunday. And uh, I think maybe because of the kind of ministry God has called my wife and I to, um, uh, John and and Nana Kofi uh, asked if I would speak this morning. Uh, because we do depend a lot on volunteers in our ministry. But I'm not call- here to call you to volunteer to, for our ministry this morning. However, if you would like to, we would love to have you come. But that's not our primary purpose today. There are many opportunities for you to serve here in your church. And so as I was thinking about this this morning, um, I looked up the word volunteer in the Bible to see, okay, what passage of scripture could I go to to preach about volunteering? And I only found it one time. And it's back in the book, I think, of 1 Chronicles, and it's simply talking about a man who was serving, and it it just mentioned he was a volunteer. That's all. That's all the Bible says about volunteering. So I started to think, okay, how do I talk about volunteering when the Bible doesn't talk much about volunteers? But then it occurred to me that a volunteer is simply an unpaid worker, right? Um, in fact, I used to say to my church back at home, I'm the, I was the pastor and I had a board of elders that we worked with. All the elders were volunteers. I was the only um, paid staff member. And so I used to tell them that I get paid for being good and you are all good for nothing. Um, some of them got the joke. One man became kind of offended and I had to explain to him I was simply trying to tell a joke. But that's really what a a volunteer is. A volunteer is a worker who does not get paid for what he does, at least paid here on earth. So then I started thinking about, okay, workers, servants, and my mind went instantly to Matthew chapter 20. Because um, I was asked this morning to, uh, to speak on why should we all be volunteers. Why should we be willing to serve the Lord in a way um, that is, well, in, in, a, in an unpaid capacity? We'll, we'll say it that way. And then I, I turned to Matthew chapter 20, and I was reminded of these words. 
even as the Son of Man, we are called, I'm going to back up um, Matthew chapter 20 to verse 26. Um, in fact, I'm going to go back even to verse 25. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. Whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to earth to serve, and he didn't get paid for it. In fact, he left the wealth of heaven. He left his place seated in the throne room of heaven where he had everything everything the whole universe was his and he came to earth as a volunteer he came to earth to serve and so when i saw that i thought okay let's 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 jump off on that point since the bible doesn't use the word volunteer um, let's use the word service or servant because that's really what volunteering is it's simply serving it's following the example of Jesus. Now, I have this, I've been in services where people have been trying to encourage other people to volunteer for ministries. And too often I hear people say, oh, God needs you. God needs you. God needs you. I want to Clear, clarify something this morning. God does not need us. Did you know that? God does not need you. Did God need, um, did God need anybody to save the Apostle Paul? No. He spoke to Paul directly. He didn't need anybody. But that does not mean God does not desire for us to be involved in service. You see, the real thing that I want to try to get across to you this morning is even though God doesn't need us, he could find other ways. He could just do miracles and have all of the work from in a local church done. He could do that. God doesn't need us, but God wants us. And that's a major, major difference. God doesn't need you. His love isn't based on need. His relationship with us isn't based on need. God doesn't need anything, Scripture tells us. But God wants you. God wants you. And that brought me to the, another passage in Matthew, and that is in Matthew chapter 11. Verses 29 and 30 is where I want to focus a little bit this morning. Uh, in fact, let's back up to verse 28. Jesus is, is talking to his disciples. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, there's a word in that passage that's important for us if we want to understand what it means to be involved in serving the Lord or being a volunteer for the Lord. And that is 
uh, well, there's a couple of words. The first one I want to look at is yoke. That word, you know what a yoke is? A yoke is, a, in the Bible times, it was usually made out of wood, and it went around the neck of two oxen, uh, or two donkeys, or whatever, so they could plow together. It tied them together. Well, Jesus is saying, yoke with me. Come take my yoke upon you. I think, hmm. Our relationship with Jesus is one in which he wants us to yoke together with him. Why? Why does he want us in that capacity? And I think it's because this, Jesus has a lot of work that needs to be done here on earth. But Jesus also wants to spend time with you and me. Now he has two choices. He can either say, well, I'm going to let the, the work go. I'll just put that aside. I won't do my work so that I can just come over here and be with my people and we can enjoy one another. That's one thing. But then the work doesn't get done. The other opportunity that Jesus has is to say, why don't you come with me and work with me? Work alongside me. And I think that's what he's trying to help us to understand when he calls us into his service. Really, if you're yoked together with Jesus, if I'm yoked together, well, let, let me use an example. If this small girl right here and I were yoked together to do work, who would be doing most of the work? I would. I'm a little bit stronger than her. That's why I chose the small girl, because there's probably not too many others in this room that I'm stronger than. So I wanted to use her as an example. When Jesus calls us to yoke together with him, who's doing most of the work? Jesus is. So why would Jesus even want us there? Because quite frankly, I think I get in the way more often than I help him. Um, you know, he, he's got his path that he wants to, to plow. He's got the work he wants to do. And I think, oh, maybe we should go this way. And he has to pull me back over here. Brian, get on here. We're going this way. So sometimes I think I actually make his work more difficult. But you see, I don't think that's the point that Jesus is trying to get across to us here. He is saying, yoke together with me because I just want to spend time with you. I just want to spend time together with you. I've got work to do. I'd like to you to yoke with me so that we can spend time together. I can show you the work that I, I have to do. I can show you how I can do this work. I just want you. I don't need you. I could do the work without you. I could pull this plow by myself, but I don't want to be by myself because I love you and I want to be with you. And you see, that's what service gives us an opportunity to do. There's an interesting passage in the book of Isaiah, chapter 58. The Israelites in Isaiah chapter 58 were doing worship just exactly like they were supposed to do as far as their physical activity. They were doing the right things. They were bowing themselves before the Lord. They were flat on their faces praying to the Lord. They were doing all sorts of, of good worship activity. But God said to these Israelites in Isaiah 58, that's not what I'm looking for. That's not what I'm looking for at all. In fact, let me turn there. Isaiah chapter 58 happens to be the, the passage of scripture God used to call our ministry into existence. 
He says this, is, is this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the, uh, excuse me, I, I, I jumped in at the wrong plane. Let me back up. Verse 3 of chapter 58. Why have we fasted and you see it not? These are the Israelites talking to God. Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, God says, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight and to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose a day for a person to humble himself, to bow down like a reed and to spread, a, uh, to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast or worship? A day acceptable to the Lord? And then he asks this question, isn't this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, to bring the homeless poor into your house, when you see the naked to cover him, and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? So he's saying, look, I want you to be serving people. The worship I'm looking for from you is not just lifting our hands, though lifting our hands is something that we are called to do. It's a sign that we are saying to God, you are worthy. And that's a good thing. But he's saying that's not enough. If all you're doing is lifting your hands or bowing your knees or getting on your face before the Lord or even fasting, he said, that's not what I'm looking for. What I'm looking for is a heart change. What I'm looking for is for you to start looking at the needs of others and asking the question, what can I do to help? Are there hungry people I can feed? Are there naked people I can clothe? Are there people that are homeless that I can help? In a local church, are there children that need to be taught? Is there music that needs to be directed and led so that people can come into worship? Is there teaching that needs to be done? Um, you're going to find a bunch of other opportunities after church because there's a place that's going to be set up for you to sign up to be a volunteer here in this church. And it's an important thing. Churches live on volunteers. We cannot, as pastors and churches, pay everybody to do the work that needs to be done. But if the work doesn't get done, that means the ministry's not happening. And so we need to be considering, God, what would you have, how would you have me to yoke together with you in this local congregation? I know that, God, if I'm teaching the children, we're yoked together, it's really you that has to do the teaching. But I'd sure like to come alongside you, spend some time with you, watch you. And maybe you would even use my mouth to communicate to these children and, and amaze me with how much you not only love them, but you love me enough to let me be involved in that process. God wants to spend time with you. And that's what it says in Isaiah 58. He says, when you worship this way, when you get involved in serving other people, look at verse Eight. First of all, he says, then, then shall your light break forth like the dawn. We want, to be a, in, excuse me, we want to be involved in evangelism as a church, do we not? Do we not want to see people come to Christ? Huh? Kofi? Here's a promise. When we get involved in serving, God says, I'll make your evangelism effective. 
You can do all the evangelism you want, but if you're not serving people, God says, I'm not blessing that. Do you want your evangelism blessed? Here's the key. Get involved in serving people. You can see, because then people look at you, they hear the words coming from your mouth, but they also see, ah, this person loves. This person loves that other person enough. This person loves even these small children who don't listen very well, and they run around in the, I'll bet you upstairs, there are children right now, some of them your own, sorry. Uh, well, probably not yours, but it's the lady or the man next to you. Their children are upstairs misbehaving. It becomes very difficult sometimes to teach children. I had a, a Sunday school teacher when I was uh, this girl's age, two, three years old, okay? My children, my adult, now adult children, had the same Sunday school teacher when they were twos and threes. My father had the same Sunday school teacher when he was two and three years old. That woman taught Sunday school for more than 50 years in our church. You know what? When that woman stood up to say something, to give her testimony, people in our church listened because they knew Grandma Coster loved them. You know, we have a saying, maybe it's common here, I'm not sure, but in the U.S., people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We show people how much we care by serving. We show pe little children how much we care by loving them and letting them crawl all over us and let them misbehave and make them sit down again and shh, be quiet, we're telling the story. Because someday they're gonna look back at you and say, ah, that man, that woman loved me. And they're gonna listen. So your evangelism is gonna be more effective and it says, your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, it says in verse 9. This is my favorite, has become my favorite verse in the Bible. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. When you're involved in serving other people, God says, you'll call, I'll answer. God says, you'll hear me say, here I am. Now you can't hear somebody say, here I am, if you're not where they are. I can't hear my wife say, here I am, if we're not in the same room. I can't hear God say, here I am, unless we're together. And he's saying, when you serve me, we're together. And I don't think that means that when I get involved in serving, God comes to where I am. I think what he's saying is when I get involved in serving, I have finally come to where he is. He is about service. Jesus came to serve. And he says, yoke with me. Work alongside me. Serve with me. Because then we can be spending time together. You and me. Does God want to spend time with Remember how he created us. He made a beautiful garden. He put people in that garden, and every day it says he would come and just walk and talk with them and spend time together. And then God just left, right? No, 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 no. We chose to sin. We chose to sin and put a, a barrier. 
God had to expel us from the garden. He had to set an angel to watch over the garden so that we would not re-enter. Did he do that because he no longer wanted to spend time with us? No, if you think about the story, there was a tree in that garden called the tree of life. And God set that angel to guard people from coming into the garden because if we as sinners would eat from the tree of life, our chance for, for salvation would be gone. We would now be eternal beings in a sinful condition. So he had to set that guard to protect us from us. But he still wanted to spend time with us. How do we know this? He sent Jesus. He sent Jesus to die so that that barrier between us could be broken down and we could come back into his presence. That's how much he wants to spend time with you. Jesus himself, God himself, came to earth and allowed himself to be spit upon and mistreated and mocked and whipped and beaten and ultimately killed because he wants to spend time with you. That's how important it is. So when I read that verse, Lord, you're telling me that if I just, if I just serve others, then you and I are going to be together. We're going to be spending time together. That's a wonderful, wonderful concept. But also, you've got to remember the context of Isaiah 58. It was all about worship. He was calling into question the worship of the Israelites. He was saying, your worship is not what it needs to be. We just sang some song. God, we worship you. We want to honor you. I, that's just bragging. If we don't listen to what Isaiah's 58, Isaiah 58 is saying. If we don't allow God to come in and change our hearts, primarily toward other people, when we, when we sing songs that say, I want to worship you, that's just like, aren't I good? I want to worship God. But I'm not really worshiping God just by saying that I want to. I'm not loving my wife if I just say to my wife, I love you. And then I don't provide for our family, or I don't meet her needs, or I don't spend time with her. That's not loving my wife, even if I say it with my mouth. Love needs to be activated. Love needs to be demonstrated. And I think Isaiah 58 is trying to help us to understand that. I think that's why Jesus said, when you do it to one of the least of these, you're doing it to me. When you teach, when you spend time, when you take your time and invest in the life of a little child or an adult or somebody in the women's ministry or somebody in the men's ministry or we can fill in the blanks, there's a lot of them. You're actually doing that to Jesus himself. That's a powerful, powerful concept that we need to get across back in Matthew. He talks about that. Um, let me find that passage. Um, Matthew chapter 25, verse 40. Very familiar passage of scripture. Jesus is again speaking to his disciples. And he's talking to them about, uh, well, let me, let me read it to you. Matthew chapter 25, 
Verse 35, for I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was, in, I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. I think we could call, we could also say, I was needing to be taught and you taught me. I was needing for somebody to comfort me or encourage me and you did that for me. Um, the list that he lists here is not exclusive. It's not everything. He was just trying to make a point that there's a lot of things we do in ministry to one another. And he said, when you do it to them, you're doing it to me. And uh, then it says, then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? Or when did we find you needing to be taught and, and teach you or needing to be encouraged and encouraged you? And he answers in verse 38. And when, uh, excuse me, and the king, uh, verse 40. And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, truly, I say, this is truth he's saying. This is not just a story. This is not just an illustration. This is truth. When you did it to them, you did it to me. He does not say, when you did it to them, it's like you did it to me. He says, when you serve others, you're serving me. There's something supernatural that happens when we get actively involved in serving, that we're no longer just serving that other person. We are serving Jesus Christ himself. You know, in, in Romans, God talks about our righteousness and that our righteousness is not our own, but it's the righteousness of Christ that has been imputed or given to us, put into our bank account. It's the same idea here. He's saying when you're doing these acts of service to others, I'm putting that in your bank account because you did it to me. It's not similar. You are actually serving me. We're spending, again, time together. And that's what Jesus really, really wants us to understand. He wants to spend time with you and I. That's why he says, come alongside and yoke with me. Yoke with me. You're going to be right next. A yoke ties you together. You're, you're not six or eight inches apart. You're that close. When we are serving Christ, we are in his presence. We are we are finding the promise of Isaiah 58 verse 9 true because he says, you will hear me say, here I am. Finally, Brian, you understand. You and I are together. And that's what he wants. That's why he died for us. That's why Jesus came. He loved us so much that he died so that you and I could have our relationship with him restored. And that relationship, that restored relationship, while we are in this sin-filled world, is going, to be in, is going to involve, in large part, working together with him. Again, we're not called to work for God. That's kind of an Old Testament concept. The Israelites always, always called themselves servants of God. We're adopted. We're his kids. You know, we don't have to say, oh, I just want to be a gatekeeper in heaven. Nah, that job's full. Okay, that job is, he's already hired somebody for that job, and it's an angel. 
He's got a better job for you. He says, I want you to come and live at my house and be my son and my daughter. We don't work for God. We work with God because he wants to spend time with us. Why should we volunteer? Because it gives us the best opportunity that we can have here on this earth to be with him. We sing it all the time. God, we want, we want to know your presence. We want to enjoy your presence. We want to be in your presence. And God is saying, you can be. Get involved in ministry. Get involved in service. Whether at your local church, whether in another ministry like ours outside the church, I would say it doesn't have to be either or. I always, it's, it's like tithing. It's like giving. Your money should first come to your local church. Then if you have some left over to give to other ministries, great. Your time of service should first come to your local church. You're a body together here. You, do, you need to be serving one another and, they, and you need to allow them to serve you. And if you have excess time, then come to our ministry and we'll put you to work. You can come hold babies and, uh, and play with little children and we'll, we'll find you something that meets your skill set. I know the same thing is true here at, at Accra Community Church. They will find something for you to do. God has given us all a gift to use. He's built you on purpose with specific gifts and he put you in this church on purpose because this church needs those gifts. Please, please, please take the opportunity to serve the Lord by serving with him here at Accra Community Church. Father, we pray and I pray that as we consider how we can spend time with you. Paul said that's the most important thing in, in the book of Philippians. He said that is the greatest thing. Everything else in my life is a pile of horse manure compared to knowing Christ. The book of Jeremiah tells us in chapter 22 that when we get involved in, in serving, that is actually what it means to know you. That defines knowing you. Father, we want to know you. We want to enjoy your presence. We want to be in your presence. We want to spend time in that presence knowing that you love us and expressing our love for you. Father, I pray that you'll help us to be willing to find a place to serve and to do so happily. We pray these things in your name. We hope this sermon blessed you. If it did, will you consider sharing it with a friend? And if you're in Accra looking for a spirit-filled community to worship with, why don't you join us at Mikado Plaza, Aboni Junction, Accra, on Sundays from 9 to 10.30 a.m. You can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Accra Church and visit our website, accrachurch.org, for more sermons. God bless you.